It's Daily Thunder, the special holiday edition. The Ellerslie campus is closed through Christmas break, but Daily Thunders are still booming forth daily through this podcast. For those of you that like to enjoy Daily Thunder live and in person on the Ellerslie campus, mark your calendars for our relaunch on Monday, January 13th. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. This episode is a part of a special series entitled The 12 Days of Christmas and is delivered by Eric Ludi. Welcome to a very special Daily Thunder. Uh, this is Christmas Eve, and we're in the midst of a 12 Days of Christmas series. It's sort of like an Ellerslie Christmas, which might be a good way of describing it, but uh, this has been a really neat series to go through, and just the reflections upon who Jesus is, why he came, the profound nature of his coming. I think when we get into a Christmas holiday season, we have a tendency to replace the real purpose of what this is all about with a lot of bizarre uh, counterfeit uh, points of focus. So I think it's helpful for all of us just to constantly come back to the, the real reason. This message is called The Language of Heaven. You know, there's a debate uh, amongst people. It's a ridiculous debate, but believe it or not, people get into ridiculous debates all the time, uh, if you haven't figured that out. But, and that is what language we will speak in heaven. Uh, some, you know, the Hebrew uh, people, you know, feel like the Hebrew language is the chosen people's language. It's God's language. I'm sure that in creation, uh, God spoke it into being through Hebrew, and Adam spoke Hebrew, and we've only just fallen to pieces ever since, all these other uh, dog-like languages that have emerged. And then you have this other group that says, I think it'll be Koine Greek, because the higher revelation that the Holy Spirit carried along the writers and to reveal the highest revelation is in Koine Greek. You know, so you could understand some of these arguments, and then you have someone else that says, I think it's going to be English. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you know, that's probably going to be a few of us in this room, because it's like, I don't know how to speak any the other languages, so I hope it's English. But I'm going to tell you what the language of heaven is. You guys ready for this? I, I'm going to just solve this uh, debate once and for all. The language of heaven is humility. There's one thing we know, uh, and that is that God speaks in the language of humility. Everything he ever does is in that language. It's incredible. And so that's what this is going to be a meditation on. And so I'm just going to read you a whole bunch of thoughts on this, a whole bunch of scripture, and we're going to meditate upon the amazing language of, of God. So the highness of God, a meditation on his knowledge and understanding. So what does God know? What does he understand? In Psalm 147.5, it says, my, under, my God's understanding is mispar, which is incalculable, infinite, and beyond measure. Ezekiel 11.5, he knows the things that come into my mind, every one of them. Hebrews 4.13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom I have to do. And in Isaiah 46.10, we get the understanding that he knows and proclaims the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. In Job 38.3-4, when he calls for me to gird up my loins like a man and demands me to answer, when he asks me where I was when he laid the foundations of the earth, when he commands me to lay bare my full understanding, I, like Job, am left, left speechless. And in Job 38, 16 through 23, 
for I do not know what he knows. I do not see what he sees. My God has entered the springs of the sea and has trolled their depths. The gates of death have been opened unto him and he has seen the doors of the shadow of death. He has entered, he has entered into the treasures of the snow, has seen the treasures of the hail, which he has reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. Daniel 2, 26 through 28. When the kings of the earth inquire and ask, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Our God Jehovah is not like other gods who are impotent and wholly unable to reveal and then interpret the secret dreams of kings, but rather he is a God that reveals secrets and makes known what shall be in the latter days. Isaiah 41, 21 through 24. He is able to declare future events before they come to pass and declare the former things that have already passed with perfect understanding. This is, this is an extraordinary list. As far as what does our God know and understand? Uh, everything? 1 John 3.20, our God knows all things. Well, that, that says it pretty well. Psalm 139, 2 through 4. So ask me what my God knows and I will answer, my God knows everything. His understanding is infinite. Every word spoken, every word left unspoken, every thought, every dream, every sigh and wonder, every inclination of the heart. He knows my down sitting and my uprising. He understands my thoughts afar off. He compasses my path and my lying down and is acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, my Lord knows it all together. And Daniel 2.22, my God knows the intimate movement of the smallest cell in the remotest part of the universe. He can see the entirety of the heavens and know the moment by moment experience of every living creature. He knows every probability, every course of action, every microscopic push of every microscopic atom that is necessary to accomplish his every errand of glory. He knows everything that the enemy devises, every trap laid at the feet of his saints, every fire, fire arrow prior to it even being pulled from its quiver. He knoweth what is in the darkness. And in John 12, 35, my God has never taken off guard. He is fully aware and fully knowledgeable of every secret counsel of darkness and every conspiracy to undermine the purpose of his cross. He knows all that can happen, all that may happen, all that certainly must happen, and all that will happen. There is no blindness in his gaze, no shadow in his wisdom, no cloud in his understanding, for he is the light. As it says in John 1, 9, the true light. In Isaiah 9, 2, a great light. John 8, 12, the light of the world. So our God knows everything. So you think about this. I'm setting you up for something, that this God who is so massive, so able, is going to do something so humble that it's, it needs to fall into the category of incomprehensible. So now this is the highness of God, and this is a meditation on his power, his authority, and his preeminence. So Isaiah 40, 12, and as you notice, I'm not actually just reading the scriptures, I'm giving an enunciation of what it says, so in a sort of a flowing thought. Isaiah 40, 12, my God has measured the waters of this earth in the hollow of his hand, meted out heaven with a span, comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. To him, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Daniel 4.35, when he heads off to war, there are none that can stay his hand. Isaiah 37.16, he sits as king between the mighty cherubim, above all, over all, and in control of all, the creator of the heavens and the earth, God of all the kingdoms of this earth. Job 38, he can bind the sweet influences of Pleiades and loose the bands of Orion. He can set the dominion of his ordinances in the earth. He can send forth lightning, number the clouds, and stay the bottles of heaven. 
Isaiah 9.6, he is the mighty God. Isaiah 40.28, the everlasting God. Romans 9.5, overall God blessed forever. Isaiah 54.5, the God of the whole earth. And Hebrews 1.8, and his throne is forever and ever. Revelation 1.8, he is the almighty which is and which was and which is to come. Colossians 1.16, the creator of all things. Hebrews 1.3, the upholder of all things. Isaiah 9.6, the father of eternity. Revelation 1.8, the beginning and the ending. Revelation 1.8 again, the Alpha and the Omega. Revelation 1.17, the first and the last. Isaiah 26.4, he is the rock of ages. 1 Corinthians 11.3, the head of every man. Colossians 2.10, the head of all principality and power. Revelation 17.14, Lord of Lords. Romans 14.9, the Lord both of the dead and living. Acts 10.36, Lord of all. Romans 10.12, Lord over all. Daniel 8.25, he is the prince of princes. Revelation 1.5, the prince of the kings of the earth. Ephesians 1.23, he that filleth all in all. Revelation 19.16, the king of kings. 2 Timothy 4.8, the righteous judge. Revelation 15.3, the king of saints, king of nations. Zechariah 14.4, and 9, king over all the earth. Psalm 24.10, the king of glory. Revelation 19.12, crowned with many crowns. Psalm 29.10, and he sitteth king forever. Daniel 4.35, and before him all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Psalm 91 through 2, before the mountains were brought forth or ever he had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, he was God. Psalm 2, 2 through 4, when the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against him, he shall laugh and hold them in derision. Titus 2.14, he is bound by nothing but his own nature and his own law. He is not limited in power nor governed in action by the will or the pleasure of any angel, demon, or man, but rather he is limited and governed only by the dictums and restraints of his loving prerogative to gain for himself a peculiar people. Matthew 6.10, to establish his kingdom in this earth. Ezekiel 39.21, and to shed abroad his glory unto the heathen. Philippians 2.10, and in the not so distant future when he will return to bring terrible judgment to nations and his feet shall touch down on Mount, the Mount of Olives and see it divide asunder, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And in Revelation 1.14-15, and all will behold the Ancient of Days whose eyes are as a flame of fire, whose voice is as the sound of many waters, whose countenance is as the sun shining in all its strength. Daniel 7, 9 through 10, they will see the fiery stream issuing forth from before him and the thousand thousands ministering unto him and the 10,000 times 10,000 that stand before him at the judgment. And Revelation 4, 10 through 11, and all will behold the one at whose feet all crowns will be cast for he is worthy to receive glory and honor and power for he has created all things and for his pleasure they are and were created. So in concert with the noble King David, I pronounce, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And that's from 1 Chronicles 29, 11. So I don't know if you're duly impressed with this grand God, this epic, majestic king that we serve. But the reason I'm bringing all of that out, which Scripture reveals, Scripture doesn't hesitate to reveal his grandeur, doesn't hesitate to reveal his glory, doesn't hesitate to reveal his majesty and the fact that he is preeminent over all. But it also doesn't hesitate to reveal this one who is enthroned in all glory 
loves us and is willing to humble himself, condescend to the lowest place to become a servant to save us. I mean, it's just so shocking that smoke starts coming out of our ears if we actually start chewing on it, truly chewing on it. And that's why I say this is called the language of heaven. The language of heaven isn't just might and pomp and grandness. It's humility. It's love. The lowness of the human condition. Psalm 53, 2 through 3. God looks down from heaven upon the children of men. Remember who God is? We were just reading about him. And this God, who knows all, sees all, is in control of all, over all, he looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. What should such a God do? If you were in that position and everyone had turned aside from you, you created them and they have rejected you. I don't even want to think about what we would do. I'm just glad God is holy and unlike us. And his holiness is revealed in his humility and in his love. He's not self-focused. He thinks about us. He thinks about those corrupt ones. And he says, I love them. And I want to give them a hope and a future. The great, great contradistinction, the highness of God and the lowness of men. Those two don't go very well together, right? <laughs> the purity of God and the impurity of, men, of low men. The, the holiness of an almighty God and the unholiness of a corrupt little people. The great condescension is when the highness of God enters the stable of manhood. Luke 1, 30 through 35, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The grand condescension, God Almighty, is coming to this earth. Sparganao, which is the word when it says He'll be, you'll see him, this will be a sign unto you. He'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's sparganao. And so what's interesting is this almighty one that I have just described is going to sparganao. He is going to be wrapped in weakness. That's, can't you just imagine the angels leaning in and saying, whoa, let's think this through. That's a crazy plan omnipotence wrapped in weakness. That's, that's extraordinary. It's like he could bleed. He could feel pain. He, he could be killed. It's like he is being subjected to this weakness that we walk around in every day. Why would he do that? Well, because his language is humility and love. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. So again, this is spoken to those shepherds. And they are given a sign. How will they recognize this one that has come, the Savior, the one anticipated for ages and generations, the one who must come to remove the iniquity of the land in one day, the one who will be the Holy Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. How will you know? How will you recognize him? This will be the signal. This will be the giveaway. Will he be wearing a purple ermine robe? No, he will be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Oh, and by the way, did I mention he'll be a baby? And he'll be lying in a manger, <clears throat> a feeding trough. You will recognize that the king of all kings has come to this earth. He'll be a baby, wrapped in peasantry, lying in a feeding trough. How does this world recognize that Jesus has come into us? Well, we're willing to be humble as well. You see, pride and Christianity do not go together. Any more than pride and heaven go together. The language of heaven is humility and love. And the language of our life when the Spirit of God begins to speak through us must be the same. God come to earth as a little lamb where the highness of God and weakness of humanity intersect. God setting aside his almighty godness, God forsaking his fiery presence and his cloud of glory, God relinquishing the continual worship of the angelic multitudes, God purposely trading his almighty lion's mane for a lamb's woolly stature, God who still was 100% God and knew he was God and was unabashed by the fact that he was God, gave up his reputation as the great I am and became one of no reputation. God, the master of worlds, the king of kings, the lord of lords, took on the form of a bondservant and allowed his ear to be pierced by his father in heaven, that he would be bound to do nothing of his own will. God condescended to take on the swaddling clothes of humanity and is laid in a feeding trough as food for the starving multitudes. God functioned in the capacity of a mere man, unrecognizable as God, but nonetheless humbled, God nonetheless humbled himself even further by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the horrifying and gruesome death of the cross. God actually died. God tasted the penalty of sin, the wrath of God, and the dreadful judgment of almighty righteousness. That's a meditation. To recognize that God has condescended to come down and wash our feet. To come down and to suffer in his body. He's God. He didn't need to do this for us. He was righteous. He didn't need righteousness clothing him. He was righteousness, but he knew we needed it. He was filled. We were the hungry ones, so he gave up his life to become food for us. It's astounding. Father, may we just bask in the realities of what you've done. And Lord, may we take time today, and as we prepare our hearts for the amazing celebration of your coming and your birth tomorrow on Christmas Day, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be full of worship, praise, thanksgiving, and rejoicing. May we be like those shepherds when the angel of the Lord burst forth in the skies 
and told us of the good news of the arrival of the King of Kings to this earth. May we freshly hear it with new ears. We love you. Thank you for coming, Lord. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.